Sticks down. Let's drop the puck. You know, Darren started doing that, and it makes sense to me. I'm, I'm going to keep it going in his absence, and when he gets back, we'll see if he opens up our number two with sticks down, drop the puck, even though we don't have any games yet. Though we will, and we will in just about eight days. But we'll get to that a little bit later on in hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. It's Ryan Wallace, Jared Justice, Danny Webster filling in in the co-host chair today. Uh, doing a great job, by the way. Appreciate it. And I'll tell you why. Uh, you gave me a memory, like a sense memory, that I completely forgot about. Mm. The Mark Stone <laughs> stick break hit, and then the beautiful staying on side, making the play to set up Brett Howden's goal. Comple- it doesn't <laughs> exist in my mind. I mean, it, and it's it's such a good play yeah. for so many different reasons. Doesn't exist in my mind until right now. So well done, congratulations. You always want to leave people with like that defining moment, that that memory. <laughs> you, you got you got the job done. Appreciate it. That's why I'm here. That's okay, why. good stuff. So, Theater of the mind. <laughs> that was that was something. Uh, <laughs> boy, oh boy, I wish that you were in this room right now. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about next season, right? Because mm. there's a lot of expectations anytime you do anything in a professional sport. There were expectations for the Golden Knights after year one when they won the division, went to the Stanley Cup final. How are they going to follow that up? A very, very good team. A very good team in year number two. But I'll I'll tell you, like, I, I wonder what the expectations should be right now for this Golden Knights team. Because this has been building it's been brewing we expected that this team would find a way in this window in a championship window that they had to get it done but you know you hear Bruce Cassidy at the championship parade say let's let's go get one more back to back all that um what are your expectations going into this season for the Vegas Golden Knights my expectations are they should be one of the top two teams in the west okay I think that's that's a fair start, uh, depending on how the central looks. I think they should at least comfortably at this point, maybe not comfortably, but a, a strong enough hold to win the Pacific. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think if you're bringing everybody back, you have a familiarity with Bruce's system, you should be able to kind of kind of capitalize off that. Um, I think at this point, anything less than the conference final would be a failure. Mm. And I, I think that's just the way it is if you're the, one of the top two teams in the west you should be able to compete for a conference title you should be able to lay claim to making yourself strong enough to put yourself in a position to repeat mm-hmm. and go back to back i i think that that is probably what they expect they 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 obviously expect they want to get back there they want to win again mm-hmm. and just going back to back in general in this league is so difficult to do um i i think from some, some from people who aren't on the ice, I think anything less than maybe the conference final would be considered disappointing. Which is astounding from from <laughs> the aspect of we're talking about a, a a franchise going into its seventh year. Which is crazy, right? <laughs> because there there have been two times, right? Twice, only two, in which the Golden Knights have not reached the conference final, mm-hmm. and that was not a major. And we know that that's not real, yeah, because the NHL like changed the rules after that. Um, and then there was the year that they missed the playoffs, and they followed that up by winning a Stanley Cup. Exactly. Right? So, like, the fact that this team is right in the middle of that, I, I, I tend to agree in that I think there are benchmarks, right? There are metrics going into a season that you want to hit, you want to get to. 
And I think conference final is basically where we pencil this team in. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not a hot take. No. You know, and, and, and you, you start to see people like nationally talk about the Golden Knights and, yeah, well, I don't, I don't expect them to get back. I don't think they're going to repeat all that stuff. That's fine. Doubt this team to your own peril. But, you know, you start, as we talked about, you look at the Pacific Division, you mentioned the Western Conference as a whole. Like, where, where are the teams that are legitimately on par with where this Golden Knights team is? And, and I say legitimately because a lot of people are going to gravitate toward the Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Gabe Landeskog's not playing next season. They are not the Colorado Avalanche without Gabriel Landeskog. They're just not. Right. So I don't know that I'm even putting Colorado, as good as they are with Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr and Devin Taves and Miko Rantanen, like I know how good this team is. I don't think that they're as deep as what the Golden Knights can be over the course of 82 games. I, I agree. Um, Colorado, I just don't know if they have really the fire, especially coming off that loss to Seattle last year. I mm-hmm. don't I don't know where they are as far as mentality because that, that Seattle obviously improved, was in, incredible mm-hmm. last year. Um, the only team I could see them rivaling is like right on par with Vegas, and I don't even know if I can put them on par with Vegas is Dallas. Okay. And, and, and it's... You know, you look at the additions they made uh, in the offseason. You're getting another year of Jake Ottinger in net. Mm-hmm. Jason Robertson continues to establish himself as one of the best players in the league. There, there's a lot to like with what Dallas has done. I still don't know if they are where they should be with Vegas in terms of, like, right on par. Sure. But you have to go to the Central to find these teams. Mm-hmm. I just don't know because everyone still is believing that the Edmonton Oilers are going to get it together at some point. Okay. And – I just do not see where they made any additions f- beyond McDavid and Dreisaitl from this summer that says, okay, let's go ahead and claim them as the top team in the Pacific, you know, claim them as the top team in the league. I, I just do not see it. The Kings are probably the one team that probably rivals the Golden Knights right now in the Pacific. And I want to say Seattle, but Seattle, I just don't think can sustain it as well as they did last year from a 100 point season. So, it's it's the Golden Knights division to lose right now. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers. All right. So, I, I guess kind of the way that you look at it is, I would argue that Edmonton's in a similar spot as to where Vegas was going into last season. Mm-hmm. You've got McDavid and Drysaitel. You've got pieces around those two. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you bring in Zach Hyman, like Darnell Nurse, love him or hate him in terms of what he brings on the defensive side of the puck, but he can put the puck in the back of the net. Evan Bouchard was a revelation. You expect him to get better. Um, Stuart Skinner is clearly the guy, which is, I guess, good, but kind of scary at the same time because you signed Jack Campbell to be the guy and he's not the guy. Um, So, like, there's reason to believe that maybe there's another gear for the Edmonton Oilers in, in in a similar way that there was another gear for the Vegas Golden Knights. But I, I would argue that it wasn't every individual player finding another gear for Vegas. It was health and everything coming together because mm-hmm. this is a team and not trying to fit pieces around two guys that are so much better than everybody else. Are there enough similarities that Oilers fans can look at what Vegas did and say, you know what? 
we can run it back and maybe with a little bit different luck, we can have that outcome. I just, it's so hard to see that because you, you touched on it earlier when we were talking about, you know, just the way that we were talking about our defining moments. Mm-hmm. They whooped them at five on five. It wasn't close. It was not close and, at all. And, and I had Oilers fans in my mentions talking about how that's not true. Go back, it watch was, the series. It was ridiculous. Five on five, Edmonton had nothing. They had nothing. Absolutely nothing. nothing. And that, in obviously, when you're Vegas, you want to get that power play going. And it took them a little bit before the power play started clicking and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But they were committed to controlling the game at five on five. And even if they were going to, if even if they were going to allow penalties from Edmonton, if you can get one or two kills and keep the game at five on five as much as you can, which they did, it's going to come back and you know bite Edmonton in the face. And it really did. Mm-hmm. And I just don't. They went into this summer knowing what they needed to address, and they really didn't have a chance to address it. They or they really didn't find the right pieces to do it. I think I God. I mean, free agency was so long ago. I couldn't mm-hmm. even tell you. Like I, I was more I, impressed with what Nashville did. I well, <laughs> <laughs> when you're right in the middle, there's only one direction you right. want to go. Um, okay, here's here are the key arrivals for the Edmonton Oilers. Okay, okay, Connor Brown, Lane Peterson. That's it. Yep. Key arrivals. <laughs> Key. De- <laughs> All right. Hold on. Hold on. It gets. It gets better. Key departures. Oof. Nick Bukestad, mm-hmm. Clint Costin, Devin Shore, Kyler Yamamoto, Ryan Murray. So, like, you start to think about it, right? Kyler Yamamoto was a good player that chipped in here and there. Mm-hmm. Depth. Kind of need that. Uh, same thing for Clem Costin. Now, it, it wasn't the Clem Costin show, but at least he scored some goals in the playoffs. Exactly. Um, I, I don't know that, you know, re-signing Matthias Janmark and, and, you know, re-signing Evan Bouchard is going to move the needle so significantly for the Edmonton Oilers when you haven't really brought anything in. Um, I, I look at Edmonton and I just wonder legitimately, and, and this, clip it for when they win the Stanley Cup. Um <laughs> I don't know that you can win with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Not because they can't win, but because between the two players, you're using up so much of your cap space, and I don't know how much better Connor McDavid can legitimately be. Yeah, The guy gets three breakaways a game, and even that, even still with that, unable to win. You can't win. And and Dreisaitl scored four goals in game one against the Vegas Golden Knights, and, they and their lost. team lost yeah. because... If you take either of those guys off the ice, you get caved in at five on five, and there's not enough the rest of the lineup to be able to turn the tide and get you on the power play enough. As soon as the Golden Knights in that series figured out how to kill a penalty or at least kind of bridge the gap, hold on for dear life, get a couple of clears here and there, it's game over. The Edmonton Oilers, if they did not get power plays, they were not winning that series. No, absolutely. And even if you look two years ago when Mm -hmm. they made the conference final, there was a little bit of, there was a little little signs here and there that you know maybe their depth was going to get. And until they ran into Colorado, they ran into that buzzsaw, and there like was a, just a deep team. Yeah, very yeah. So I just don't know what more you can do right now in this window to surround McDavid and Drysaddle with the right players because mm. no disrespect. Well, this might sound disrespectful to you Ryan can, Nugent Hopkins. You can be disrespectful to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. <laughs> Is there ever been a quieter 100-point season in the history of the NHL? 
I don't think so. I mean, that was every time I looked at the stats from uh-huh. from the season when you know Vegas and Edmonton played. I'm like, did this guy really get a hundred points? And it was like, what was it like thirty goal or like twenty some goals and like mm-hmm. ninety assists or something yeah. like that? I don't think that is going to sustain. And mm-hmm. if and if he is your one guy that's going to be the next like in line, you know, Zach Hyman obviously does what he does in front of the net, but who else is going to deliver those moments for you when you desperately need to not play McDavid and Drysaddle 29 and 28 minutes a night? Like mm-hmm. it, they just don't know how to operate in that function. And Jay Woodcroft is doing everything he can. It just doesn't work. Okay. So a couple things you mentioned the minutes on McDavid and Drysaddle. Yeah. The biggest issue with that is that they do it in the regular season. Yeah. They redline those two guys in the regular season because if they didn't, they'd be on the cut line for the playoffs. Yeah. Like that's that's a hot like if you want a hot take from this show, it's that. If you do not redline McDavid and Drysdale in the regular season, I don't think your defense is good enough. I don't think your goaltending is good enough, and I don't think you get enough secondary scoring to where this team is going to be a lock for the playoffs. Now, when you get to that position in the season where it it's pretty much a lock because they've just gone absolutely bananas, then maybe peel it back, but Jay Woodcroft doesn't do that, and you continue to redline him, and I don't care how well-conditioned those two guys are, you you got to find their pockets a rest. Yeah. And you have to have enough trust in your entire team to get the job done, and I don't know if you're an Oilers fan that you can legitimately believe or have that trust in that team with those two players off the ice. Especially if you're going 11 and 7 as much as they did. Yeah, absolutely. Like, n- no chance. Like, the you got one defenseman playing up... Like, yeah, one defenseman playing up, but technically is a 12th forward. And it's just, <laughs> you're basically throwing three lines out there. And if your third line isn't producing as well as it should, then you're pretty much in flux the entire time. So you mentioned a couple of things that you thought maybe they could do or would try to do. What stands out? Like, there was a lot of chatter hmm. at the trade deadline last year that they were going to take a run at Eric Carlson. Like, <laughs> if I'm Connor McDavid... Who do I want going back, grabbing pucks, and feeding me in the neutral zone? It's it's Eric Carlson. Like, Absolutely. I want a puck-moving defenseman. Mm-hmm. And I'd make the argument that, like, as, you know, again, Darnell Nurse, I don't I don't think he's a puck-moving defenseman. Like, you get more out of Evan Bouchard offensively than you do Darnell Nurse, and Darnell Nurse isn't giving you enough defensively to justify the cap hit. Listen, Not what I, they're paying him, no. There's a lot of issues <laughs> I have with the Edmonton Oilers <laughs> roster construction. Um but that's a good thing if you're a Golden Knight fan because I think a lot of people view the Edmonton Oilers as the the closest in division rival for Vegas. Um, like I, I still contend that I I don't believe they'd win with Eric Carlson either. Oh no! But it'd be so fun. Oh, it would be great. It'd be the best be, thing ever. It'd be great if you fired up NHL 23 and just played with them the whole time. But I mean, <laughs> reject that. Trade. Oh my god! Right. But just just the fact that. If if they were to get Eric Carlson, like their defense is already atrocious. Mm-hmm. That is their blue mm-hmm. line outside of Bouchard is just it's not good. So they need to find more stay at home guys that are willing to you know you know lay the hard hits, be yeah. be aggressive in the corners, trying you know win those puck battles. They just don't have that. And when you're just relying on two guys who are probably going to just run out of fuel at some mm-hmm. point by the end of their contracts, like. Ah, how does how do you try and build that window or keep that window open in the areas and especially when you got a young goaltender in Skinner, mm-hmm. you need to give him as much help as you can. And I think them watching the Golden Knights should have given them that that idea of, oh, we should probably find guys that are going to protect the middle of the ice and make life easier on our goaltender. And they have not done that in the last three, four, five years. 
So it's going to be interesting for the Edmonton Oilers. I think yeah. I think they're a playoff team. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, again, can you get out of the first round? Probably, right? Like the way McDavid and Drysaddle played in the first round of the playoffs, even against the Golden Knights, like un- unbelievable numbers. Yeah. Right? They on pace to shatter, right? The the production that you would get in in one playoff uh, season. To me, I I look at the West. I don't, you know, you mentioned Dallas. I like what Dallas has done. They're going to be right there in the playoffs because I think the world of Rope hints. Mm-hmm. Just, like, every bit as dynamic offensively from a speed perspective as McDavid just can't do all of the things that McDavid yeah. does. But he's close, right? Um, I love Jake Ottinger. But for for Dallas, the 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 challenge to me is how do we – get Jake to a position where he's every bit as good in the playoffs as he can be in the regular season. Yeah. Because when you've got a young goaltender and you're trying to get them to that spot of being a number one, you've got to find a split that makes sense for them to not get too run down over the course of the season so that they're peaking in time for the playoffs. And I think that's kind of one of those things that, that the stars are still going to have to figure out because as, as you and I have seen before, like Pete DeBoer, when he's got a number one guy, he wants to go heavy in that number one yeah. guy. And this in Vegas with with Leonard and Flurry at the same time was a unique experience, I would argue, for for Pete DeBoer. And, and and it makes sense, right? Because you look back at his coaching career, you've got Marty Brodeur. Of course you're gonna play the yeah. guy 70 <laughs> games. Like of, of course that's the direction exactly. you go. Um so managing Jake Ottinger is gonna be an interesting one. If they can get it right, I think it's gonna be it's good gonna be good for Dallas. Um LA's interesting to me and you mentioned them. Mm. And they're interesting to me because You've got Pierre-Luc Dubois, you've got Kevin Fiala, you've got Andre Kopitar, who I'm not worried about in the slightest, and then you've got Quinton Byfield in in really like a make-or-break year for him, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I think we can argue that if it doesn't work for Byfield this year in L.A., he's going to need a change of scenery. Yeah. He just hasn't been given the opportunity. Now, in, in a very similar way that we look at, say, a Nick Waugh, I think Quinton Byfield needs to be a center. I don't think you can put him on the wing and expect to to reap the rewards of his potential. So with that being said, like LA could potentially get there, but a lot of it hinges on whether or not Pierre-Luc Dubois feels like it <laughs> and whether or not Quentin Byfield takes the step. Yeah. Uh with Byfield, especially now that you have Dubois, you're gonna have to try and play him on the wing with, well, with play Byfield. Unless unless you go well, third line Quentin Byfield. Yeah. Which if you're Byfield, you were you were hopeful, right? That right, you can just slide into that second line role and grow into it. Now it's again more of a depth piece. Because because was now it's Dano, mm-hmm. Kopitar, yeah, Dubois, yeah, and then whoever. And I don't think you want to play Byfield at fourth line center either, unless you want to move oh. Dano down. I mean that there's because. The you way, know, I I completely forgot yeah, about Phil Deneau. I I think a lot of that's people the do, worst honestly. thing in the world. And I, I love I love the player. I oh, can't yeah. believe I forgot about Phil yeah. Deneau. Yeah. So, so Quentin Byfield's got to play on the wing. He's got to play on the wing, and uh, you and you got to probably maximize him playing with Kopitar or Deneau in the top six, right? Or Dubois in the top six, if unless you want to move Deneau down. So, it, this is definitely a make or break year for him, and I he's just so gifted mm-hmm. offensively, and he's shown a, a lot of growth defensively as well. Just I think he's just got to find the right line mates, and that's going to be the the big challenge for the Kings. Here's the thing that I see with Quentin Byfield, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. We watch a lot of hockey beyond just the Golden Knights, right? Mm. Um, 
especially in the playoffs, that first round matchup against the Edmonton Oilers, he just needed a goal. Yeah. He just needed one to go in. And it wouldn't have like mattered at all how it went in. If it just as would have found the in. back of the net and been credited to Quinton Byfield, yeah. I think the floodgates would have opened. Oh, absolutely. I really do. He was around so much. And I guess maybe the frustration that you're going to have for Todd McClellan and Kings fans is, does McClellan have the fortitude to keep going with Quinton Byfield knowing that he just needs a stretch, yeah. right, to, to get that confidence? And... You know, depending on how well Pierre-Luc Dubois fits in with the Kings, I, I don't know that that's going to be an experiment that you continue throughout the entirety of the year. I think if you're looking at a player that's going to be most important to L.A., I, I'd argue it's not Dubois. I'd argue it's not Deneau. I, I don't think it's Kevin Fiala. We, you know what you're getting with those guys. Quentin Byfield, I think, is the guy that really makes or breaks the Los Angeles Kings this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that—and I think it was what? He had—and it was games three and four, I think it was, where he hit maybe— like three combined posts, like they, he yeah. was right on the doorstep, right there, right there, right on the doorstep, and just if it, if one of those goes in, it probably changes the trajectory of that series. They probably don't blow that lead in Game Four, and they probably go on to win maybe in six. You yeah. know, there there are a lot of different things to that, and I think now I don't know if the addition of Dubois is going to. It, it may light a fire under him to kind of like, hey, you're running out of time here, kid. We we need something out of you. If that works, great, but it's going to have to be on the wing. But, I mean, you got three centers right there that you can play with and play with well. So hopefully it does work for him, but th- this is definitely a make-or-break year for him. Will Pierre-Luc Dubois <laughs> feel like it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of dollar signs now. I don't think he's got a choice, right? Well, no, the dollar <laughs> signs are already there. It's yeah. guaranteed money. Yeah, it's guaranteed money. I think you're going to have to. I mean, you're in L.A., you know, mm-hmm. taxes will suck, but you know what? Other than that... <laughs> I, I I would like to – I'm still a fan of Pierre-Luc Dubois. I've, mm. I've always loved his game when he was in Columbus, and it's just – just got to get going. Got to get going here, you know? Well, it's it, to me, it's not even about getting it going. It's just consistency game yeah. to game, right? Like, y- you saw how good he was in game number one. Mm-hmm. He was a force. Yeah. Then, didn't didn't do it, didn't continue to do the little things that you need to be able to do night in and night out. And for a team in L.A., and 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 I'm going to just come out and say it, this team wants to win. You've got, you know, Andre Kopitar, a couple more years. How long is he going to be the guy? I, I don't know. Like, you look at him, and he's very reminiscent to me of Mark Stone, right? Like, the, the, the IQ on Andre Kopitar allows him to – arrive on time, get to pucks faster. He's such a smart, strong hockey player that as long as Kopitar plays, I think he's going to be elite. I just do. But you've got Drew Doughty, who, much like Eric Carlson, had a resurgence last year. Is that going to last? I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, there's no Olympics for Drew Doughty to, like, really get excited for. So, (laughs) you know... Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but you want to try to get back to the playoffs. You want to try to get back to that team that you believe can actually win because you don't have much left from those championship teams. They want to win, and Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to have to bring that energy because I I don't think Rob Blake and that organization is going to stand for hearing their performances specifically in the playoffs. Yeah, they are not going to accept the performance he had against Vegas. Where, no. you know, game one, he was great, like mm-hmm. you mentioned. But just the cheap shots, just 
not looking engaged at certain points, you know, throughout the game. That's the guy that Winnipeg was hoping to be there, you know, the number one, number two guy, and it just didn't work out. But with the Kings, with that leadership, with that commitment to defense, especially with the guys they already have down the middle, this is going to be a big year for him. And and I do think that there's going to be something to be said if he's playing in the middle six that he'll get things rolling and he'll show that he's engaged in that. But I think going into a situation like the Kings where, you know, they were two periods away from taking a 3-1 lead against the Oilers and just just knowing how close they were. And if they think Dubois is perfect for that spot, then hopefully that pans out for them. Yeah, a lot of people are going to think that just because I liked the Kings back in the day, I'm mad about that series. No, it was my bracket. I had uh, L.A. over Edmonton. I, I really wanted to see the uh, the Jonathan Quick series, yep. and it didn't happen. I'm a little bummed about that. But, hey, you know what? I will take Stanley Cup championship. And that's what the Golden Knights delivered for this team. Because if you didn't know... If you've been living under a rock, the Vegas Golden Knights are currently, presently, the Stanley Cup champions. We're back with one-timers next on the VGK Insider Show. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for one-timers. one-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. One-timers brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Look around the National Hockey League news and notes. I can have a little bit of fun with this. Okay. When you have a long offseason and you come back, you don't immediately want to jump into the biggest stories, especially when you've got a little bit of runway. However, I do want to touch on something a little bit adjacent to one of the big stories that I'm going to get into next week on the VGK Insider Show. Um, I'm going to play a game again here with Danny Webster. I love Petty so much that I'm going to ask you this question and I want you to just riff on it. Okay. As we know, there was a lot of drama surrounding Kyle Dubas's exit as general manager, but I don't I'm not going to say head of the Toronto Maple Leafs cuz everything had to be run through Brendan Shanahan and blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of drama surrounding Dubas's exit from Toronto. And, you know, subsequently ending up doing literally everything with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Who's closer to winning a championship? Kyle Dubas and the Pittsburgh Penguins or Toronto Maple Leafs? Kyle Dubas and the Pittsburgh Penguins. (laughs) There's no hesitation. No. (laughs) Okay. So. And that's just because it's my own personal preference when it comes to Toronto, because I still will never believe they can actually get past the second round. And we can say the second round now. Okay. But but I I just do they not were, have... they were playing the ghost of Tampa Bay past. Like, oh my god. Come on. Just, come on. Like at, at some point it's just like a what was it? I think it was the end of either Rocky 2 or Rocky 3. They go to the 15th round and you know Rocky's still like hanging in there just yeah. firing haymakers. It's like, "Will you please go down, Mr. Sure. T? One yeah. of you, go down." And they finally did and they used all their energy and ran into the Florida Panthers and Buzzsaw the buzzsaw that was Sergei Bobrovsky. Okay, so, like, here's the only thing that really upsets me about Toronto. Hmm. That they won a game in the second round. (laughs) 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 
because it would have been so much cooler, right? If like today, almost there. No, if today we could crack the mic and be like, you know what, the Toronto Maple Leafs, yeah, they got out of the first round, but they've yeah. won the exact same amount of games in the second round as they had all the other years prior. <laughs> exactly. But unfortunately, they screwed up that joke. Anyway, um, I'm inclined to agree with you on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, th- this is a team that boy oh boy you start to look at the losses that they had at the end of the regular season it allowed the florida panthers to get into the playoffs and then therefore eliminate the toronto maple leafs um it also allowed for the chicago blackhawks to pick Connor bedard first overall we'll get to that in just a moment um but you bring in riley smith you bring in ryan graves you trade for eric carlson you bring in alex nadelkovic there's so much depth that was added to this Pittsburgh Penguins team with Sidney Crosby still making $8.7 million, Chris Letang still being Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin, kind of a, an uptick year for him, but what are you going to get? I don't know. The simple fact is Kyle Dubas has insulated this team that was right there to make the playoffs. And I don't really care who you are. I'm going to take my chances on Sidney Crosby. Oh, yeah. So. It's very possible that we're talking about Kyle Dubas in a very different way than a lot of people were talking about Kyle Dubas when he was heading the Montre- uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. Um, you're, we were talking about maximizing Edmonton's window. Yeah. And they haven't done that. Uh-huh. This is how you maximize the window for two of the best players that have ever played the game in Crosby and Malkin. This is how you maximize the window whatever happens with Eric Carlson and his and his defense fine you're at least getting a Norris trophy winner who just put up a hundred some odd points and you're putting him with Crosby Malkin you're getting a perfect 200 foot compliment in Riley Smith you're adding to your blue line with Ryan Graves like th- these are the moves that maximize a window mm-hmm. Kyle Dubas is doing that he attempted to do that in Toronto and it didn't work but this is how you maximize guys who are on the twilights of their career okay now by uh just just to kind of set up the the dichotomy here. Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, Ryan Reeves, John Klingberg, Martin Jones. Those are the names to Toronto. That last one, though. Whew. Come on. He was fine. <laughs> he was Not fine. In he was fine in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Okay. That, I will have that. I, I don't dislike what Toronto's done, but it's all the same. Yeah. There's no, there's no outside-the-box thinking. Now, you do sign Austin Matthews. You get him for four more years. You make him the highest-paid player in the league. Fine, but I, I just I look at the Penguins. I look at what Kyle Dubas has, has done. He, he has taken a team. He's looked at the team and said, okay, you know what? This team didn't make the playoffs. Why? Because they relied too heavily on a resurgent uh, season from Evgeny Malkin, too much on Sidney Crosby being Sidney Crosby. Why don't we alleviate some of that pressure yep. and give them another guy? To just be a workhorse in Eric Carlson. It's almost like when you look at your team and assess their needs, and then you go out and address them, you have a better chance of winning a Stanley Cup. I, I don't know. Crazy, like, call me it? crazy. Crazy. Okay, so, um, you know, we talked about that 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 wild end of the season where the Pittsburgh Penguins find themselves on the outside of the playoffs by losing, I believe, to the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, the Florida Panthers going into the playoffs, and that putting the Chicago Blackhawks in the Perfect spot to land Connor Bedard. Um, there's a lot of hoopla surrounding Bedard right now. It's weird how things kind of happen, right? Like Sidney Crosby comes into the Pittsburgh Penguins 
as Mario Lemieux goes away. Connor Bedard comes in here for the Chicago Blackhawks as Patrick Kane has moved on and will play somewhere at some point in time. And Jonathan Taves is taking a break from hockey. What are your expectations for Bedard? I can see a... I can see between a 60 and 70 point season just because they're going to try and play all out, all, all offense. They're not going to play. It's all gas, no breaks for mm. the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know, Taylor Hall, once again, the, the lottery jokes, the number one pick in the lottery jokes will will never fade with Taylor Hall. It just it just happens. But I feel so bad that he has to go from a situation in Boston to now trying to scrounge for respectability in Chicago. But well, other than that, look at the Boston Bruins. Yeah, I know they're 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 crumbling before our eyes at this point too but as long as Paz are not getting Marshine are there I, I, I will be content with them at least making the playoffs no <laughs> no no right um, that's all they have that's all they have <laughs> <laughs> have you seen what happened in, yeah. in Boston well Patrice Bergeron hangs them up David Krejci hangs them up Bertuzzi's gone Every, literally uh, Dimitri Bobby Orlov goes <laughs> moves on like the, there's there's not a lot of substance to the Boston Bruins. I mean, if you were to give me Boston versus Toronto and who's left at the top, I'd be like, eh, Boston, maybe that's probably my personal preference between them and you Toronto. Think, you think Boston's going to be a better team than Toronto? I think I think with Olmark and, you know, the goaltending there, I think they're going to be fine. I, I think I I believe in Jim Montgomery. Like just, I think just, he's a good coach. I think he's a good coach. I do think he's going to find – but obviously the blue line is going to take a big hit with losing Orlov on a rental. Obviously hold last on. year was hold just on, a problem. Hold on. I, I want to read this to you because right. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Okay. Okay? I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. I'm going to leave, I'm going to read their key arrivals okay. for the Boston Bruins, but I'm going to do that after the key departures. Okay. Okay. Key departures. Patrice Bergeron, Tyler Bertuzzi, Nick Foligno, Taylor Hall, Garnet Hathaway, David Krejci, Tomasz Nosek, Connor Clifton, Dmitry Orlov, and Mike Riley. That's gone. Yeah. Gone. It's like half their roster of really good players. Uh, key arrivals. Jesper Boquist, Patrick Brown, Morgan Geeky, James Van Riemsdyk, Ian Mitchell, Alec Regula, Kevin Shattenkirk, Riley Walsh, and Milan Lucic. <laughs> listen, Pat- listen, Patrick Brown, you, you former, have former Henderson captain. Here's, Patrick here's Brown. the deal. Here's the deal. I'm going to give you one chance to take back the idea that the Boston Bruins will finish higher or be better than the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Again, hockey, free agency was two months ago. I've already. No, I, I, I <laughs> listen. I'm just. I'm trying to do a service. No, no I because got Because that would be the hottest take no, of I, the show. No, I hands got down. I don't think they're going to be better than Toronto. I, I think they'll be fine enough to where they can fight for a playoff spot and possibly get in. But I, it's just. Okay, I don't know how the Bruins hijacked the Connor Bedard segment, but <laughs> I want to. <laughs> I want to go back to Bedard. You said a 60 or 70 point season? I think he'll find a way. It'll probably be like 20 goals and maybe 40 assists, but it's not going to move the needle for Chicago. He's the next one. I know he is. He's the it, next, 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 next one. It's going to take, I mean, I'm, I'm starting it off low because if I even say like an 80 or 85 point season for a rookie, I mean, that's that's wild, but, you know. I want 100. Oh, I, I think 100 would be great. I just don't know if there's enough talent in there for him wow. to get 100 points. <laughs> like, I would have scored 100 if anybody was good um, yeah. around me. Okay. We'll, we'll put a pin on, on Connor Bedard here for a minute um, because I, I, I tend to agree in that I don't want to set the bar too high. Yeah. Um, but I also think he has to win the Calder. Oh, absolutely. 
I mean, this is a stacked Calder race, too. It really is. I feel I feel like he has to be the front runner and the winner at this point. But I mean, this is going to be a very stacked rookie class. You've got, I mean, you've got Shane Wright, who's who's got his feet wet. You've got Logan Cooley, who mm-hmm. I expect big things out of in Arizona. Um, Calling him the best prospect in the world, the Arizona Coyotes are. Yeah, you've got Adam Fantilli, who I do believe will play for Columbus and I do think will be good for uh, Columbus. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think there's certainly a race there, but um, I I agree with you in that whatever the point total is, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. He's got to. He's got to win the call. He's got to win the call. Absolutely, Absolutely must. Okay, uh, so no pressure there, Connor. Um, <laughs> you're good. Uh, okay, so uh, Phil Kessel still wants to play hockey. Shouldn't be surprising to anybody. You just win a Stanley Cup. You want to do it again. Yeah. Um, but he's willing, right? Like he told Elliot Friedman, uh, Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman, that he is willing to sacrifice the Ironman streak. Is there anywhere that you think makes sense? Because if I'm Phil Kessel. Right, like if I'm going to sacrifice the Ironman streak, put me on a contender, because I want to win again. Yeah. Like, where where does he go? Well, until you have me check back the whole thing about Boston, like there's a roster spot right there. Oh gosh, <laughs> full circle moment yep. for Phil Kessel. I'm Ex- all in. Exactly. Um, but if, if he's looking for like a full on, you know, wants to win another cup, mm-hmm. I don't know. the The more the days go by, is it crazy that I think that. You know, maybe as a PTO, Vegas is like, hey, we, we we can bring you back to see if you want to take Riley Smith's spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the report of Max Comtois mm-hmm. um, possibly getting a PTO as well. Is it out of the realm at that point to say, hey, you want to try a PTO and see if you want to do it again? I mean, there's a spot now. I don't know. Sure. I, I would be open to that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, Phil Kessel's awesome. <laughs> we, <laughs> we know. Perfect locker um, room guy. Yeah, 100%. Um, I don't like I don't know why Tampa jumps out at me. Like why not? Yeah. Why not the Tampa Bay Lightning? That that's Bring the vibes. <laughs> like I, I I don't know. I think that'd be interesting. Um and, and I guess kind of you threw out the Comtois thing until it's like officially out there. I'm not going to go down that road yeah. too far. But if if you're talking about PTOs and you're talking about Phil Kessel or Max Comtois, um, I, I'd probably lead toward Comtois because I think you're going to need a young player with the NHL experience to to play alongside a, a William Carlson type. So I, yeah. I think that that's a player that can certainly give you a bit more. Um, just two more real quick notes. Uh, Stanley Cup is going to be out and about. Uh, however, I do want to mention tomorrow at UMC. It is closed to the public. It is for the community heroes. So people that are working uh, hospital staff at UMC, they're going to get an opportunity to hang out with and see the Stanley Cup. When we talk about the Golden Knights, we talk about how much it means to this or- to, to this organization, how much the community and everybody that's been around from day one means to this city. So uh, just great stuff there from the Vegas Golden Knights. And if you are a member of the general public, you can get to see Stanley Friday, the 15th, ahead of the Golden Knights game against the Arizona Coyotes at the Dollar Loan Center. That'll be on display about 5 o'clock. So make sure you get out there and see the Stanley Cup. Those are your one-timers for today, September 7th. It's a Thursday. We're back to catch up with justice. Jeez. Catching up with justice is next. 
We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Wrapping up day, day number two of the Beach Day Insider Show. It is catching up with justice. All right. So I'm sorry that the last segment I was completely distracted by the football game going on, but mm-hmm. I did prepare some things. Good. Um, I know that you've done chili peppers in the past, right? Mm-hmm. You've done Bob Ross drawings in the yes. past. You've yep. done discontinued cars that some of which were not discontinued. We've found upon investigation. Can, can I can I just make make it very, very clear to anybody that wants to know? That was not my idea. Well, it's also it would help if he knew like anything about cars okay like one of them is a brand one of them was a make and one of them was mm-hmm. a model like you you, you, it, you had no consistency across your it, list it of was cars. fundamentally flawed from inception but hey what are you gonna do so the one i picked was uh okay so smash mouth songs so, okay all right going back to this. yeah yeah <laughs> can't get enough of you baby would be like the worst kind of forgot that then that was the, a smash your mouth song okay go then ahead. the morning comes then obviously, I'm a believer. Oh yeah, okay. Walking on the sun, and then number one all star. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Run those back for me again. Okay. Yeah. Can't get enough of you, baby. Okay. Then the morning comes. Uh-huh. I'm a believer. Yeah. Walking on the sun, uh-huh. and then hey, now you're an all star. Wow. Okay. Lots of covers there. No, those are. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, okay, that's fair, fine. Okay. But okay, who made the who made who made I'm a believer's famous? I I don't know. I mean, uh, it was the monkeys, so yeah, well, technically, well, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, uh, not, but, I'm not a big monkey all right. guy. All right, well then let me try this one. Okay, Laserdisc, Betamax, VHS, <laughs> DVD, HD DVD. Um, I don't want to do that one, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I don't want to feel old. Yeah, no, that's fair. I don't because even old. Blu-rays you don't really see yeah, exactly. anymore. What's a All Blu-ray? Right. Yep. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll give you my third one. Okay. All right. I actually came up with a couple, but all right, we're gonna start with records, mm-hmm. eight-track, mm. cassette, mm-hmm. CD, yep. MP3 player. <sighs> like it's closer, but I still don't want to feel old. Oh man, I, I right. get like the best. The best one you gave us was Smash Mouth. All right, fine. This is the last one. Oh, okay. Um, but you said you only had three. No, I, I made the the, oh. the Lions scored a touchdown. I needed to distract myself. Got it. Um, okay. How's that going? Worst for you, by the way? pet that a roommate could have. Okay. We're gonna go reptile, mm-hmm. bird, rodent. So I'm kind of including hamsters, guinea pigs. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Rodent is a head of reptile. You. Okay, you've never like had that friend that's just like, yeah, I have a snake. Here it is, and just like thrown like yeah, their pet like, snake at you. Yeah, but I mean like, okay, that's fair. Dated a girl that once did that. Traumatizing, man. All okay. right, and then so then obviously cat and dog. So like if they if they have an incredible game, oh no, that's a dog. Or if they have a pretty good game, that's a cat. So um, Jared Justice has drawn the line in the sand of which animal he thinks is the best. Oh no, I prefer cats to dogs. It's really? just, but I would if I had a roommate. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with their cat. You don't. Okay, <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, 
Listen, I, I appreciate the time and the energy you put into this. Um, and, and like, no joke, before Danny even brought up his story about seeing Smash Mouth on the top of the Strat, Jared had Smash Mouth greatest hits up and doing the research. Um, I don't think we're using any of them. I know, but at least to, tomorrow, if anyone's listening, they, got the, they maybe got their creative juice flowing and they can send in their suggestion. How many originals were in that Smash Mouth thing? Like original songs? I'm pretty sure four out of five were, really? except for I'm a Believer. You went to Smash Mouth. Danny, you're supposed to be the expert. I uh, Listen, I, they played they played All-Star three times. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, when you're hitting the bait drop of somebody once three different times, you kind of <laughs> camp out after that. Danny, how'd this go for you? This was great. Yeah? This was great. I, I almost believe that. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Well, you saw his face. That's and true. Now you're <laughs> That's true, yeah. That's why I contend we need cameras in here. Like, you need to be able to see this in an all-immersive way i mean um, this was a great time i appreciate you having me <laughs> fantastic thanks so much to danny webster for filling in from the las vegas sun i'll be back with you tomorrow four o'clock right here on fox sports las vegas